You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Jason Nitz of Warforged and Spent Case. There's this episode and over 440 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. What is up, you beautiful, beautiful, beautiful human being? I'm assuming you're a human being. Because if you're a dog who clicked on this, hit me up. I want to know how you knew how to do that. Anyway, I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me today. Today, I'm talking to Scott from Zayo, which is a band that I love. So this is a very exciting conversation. If you're not familiar with the band, prepare your face. They know how to rip it off. Seriously, big fan of this band. They are very intense and very, very good. And Scott is a great guy. We had a blast on this episode. And we had a blast on the Patreon section, and he's he's the man. It was so cool to get to know him. Really, honestly, such a good dude. I want to get right into it, but before I do that, I want to mention one thing that I am doing. I'm giving somebody a Christmas present, an actual physical Christmas present. I am giving away, thanks to Sweetwater and thanks to Electron, I am giving away a Electron Model Cycles, and I am jazzed about it. The thing is, though, I announced it over the weekend, and the end date is today as this episode drops. So if you are listening to this podcast on Monday, the 20th, you are still able to get in as long as you enter before 3 p.m. Pacific time. That's right, 3 p.m. Pacific time. All you have to do is follow American Cyclops on whatever streaming platform you choose Apple, Amazon, it doesn't matter. And some of them are follow, some of them are add to library, whatever the equivalent of a follow is. All you got to do is take a screenshot proving that you did and then shoot it to pedalgiveaway at gmail.com. That's pedalgiveaway at gmail.com. I know it's not a pedal, it's a synth, but I was trying to do this really quickly and I wanted to get this thing out to somebody hopefully before Christmas, which is why it's kind of like a boom, let's go, let's go. So It's a very fast contest, but it's really easy to enter. All you have to do is get that in before 3 p.m. on December 20th, 2021, and I am picking somebody to win out of all of those entries. One entry per person. It's open U.S. and international. If you are international and you win, I'm asking that you cover the shipping and all of the import fees, any of the taxes, any associated fees that your government puts on you to get the thing in the country. I'm asking you to cover that because I simply have no control over any of that stuff. So it's open everywhere. That's how you do it. There's a post on Instagram detailing it, and I will link that in the show notes, and I am talking too much. Let's get into this one with Scott. Let's do it. Here we go. Boom. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Scott Mellinger from Zao. What's happening, dude? Oh, not much, man. Just sitting here, uh, actually enjoying a one warm day in December in Pittsburgh. 
Oh, wow. See, it's cold here. Well, cold for here yeah, right yeah. now. Well, you, I mean, uh, dude, we literally were like 30. I think 30 was the high yesterday. It's like 55, and now it's like summer for us. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. 55 to 60 is my ideal temperature, actually. That's that's great. <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm like a 95 guy, so. Uh, I'm dying. I'm dying when it gets that hot. Oh, I'm, I love it. It's super hot. <laughs> uh, Can't do it. I'm a wuss. But, uh, dude, I'm super stoked to have you here. I was really excited when you emailed me on the, the Stringjoy email. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is great. I love this band. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Uh, <laughs> like, it's crazy how that works out. Like, I can't even, all the different, like, in, endorsement issue or what, what would you like the endorsement things that I've dealt with as a guitar player? Every mm-hmm. time, they, it still blows my mind that, like, the dudes, well, when I actually got my ESP deal, I, yeah was on the i talked to matt mascandero so like this is when he was still doing it which was like 2001 and Mm -hmm. he didn't Mm -hmm. know who zaya was at all but he was super super cool but then like everybody that i went through like as an a and r there they knew who we were and like it's super crazy to me that anybody at esp or like when i did when i did my mesa deal which is weird now because the gibson buyout but like john marshall was the guy that was mesa's a and r Okay. So wow. I talked to John Marshall and I was like trying not to geek out about the Metallica thing <laughs> or the metal church thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy to me that people, when you call and you're just personable and like, we never had, like, even when we had management, I never, I did it all. Cause it was just like, I want to talk to the people that we work with. So yeah, it's a, it's a, all the whole management thing is interesting. Sometimes I used to be really down on it. I'm like, it's 2020 or whatever year it was when I was talking to Corey Wong about it, actually, on this podcast. Okay. I was like, ma- management and labels. I'm like, why do you need all that stuff this day and age? And he did bring me more back down to earth to realize that, like, not everybody has the same wiring. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm very much like, get my hands in there and do everything. And I don't need help with, I need help with certain things. And I will ask for help with that i've gotten better but mm-hmm. i'm like i don't need you to email somebody for me i know how to email yeah i'm just gonna email you and then they're gonna you're gonna email them and then it's like harder you know um but for some people that's not the case and he helped me realize like some people's wiring is that they need to just have the space to just make what they make mm-hmm. and that's all they have the headspace for and they make really great art because of that. Not everybody's, you know, running around like a maniac the way I do. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Like, there is a space for these things. And I need to not be so harsh on it. And I know some really great managers and and label people now. And I'm like, okay, yeah, these people do, like, they do provide a service. And I need to, like, slow my roll on that uh, <laughs> criticism a little bit. But I still do, like, I'm like... Still own your own stuff, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we found, I think every band, especially bands that are around as long as we have been, um, you find that out, that harsh reality out really in a bad way. So, like, yeah. And it's funny, too, because a lot of people down, like you're talking about with, I mean, we had, uh, luckily for us, like the management that we've had have, have always been like people that were our friends first, and then they get into management. So, like, our main guy that managed us for a long time was Ryan Downey. And... Ryan Downey worked at MTV and he was, a, you know, he was actually in the hardcore scene when we first started. Like, the, I mean, he goes back with us as far back as like anybody in this whole thing. So having somebody like that that understands where you come from is super important. Um, right. But there are people out there that are just good at 
at that job. And like you said, there are certain people like even like in Zayo, like I know personally, like Jeff is the drummer. Jeff, like we basically run our own label and do everything ourselves now because we just don't care. We would rather be completely involved with every aspect of everything. Um, Mm -hmm. And even in our band, there are people that are better off to be kind of you know, brought along or like just the talent and they don't have to worry about all the other stuff that all the other thing, like all the management type of things happen. So so I can see that in just an inner band uh, relationships, but, Mm. but I'm super happy to just do it ourselves. And and we luckily have dudes in the band that, that are capable. So, yeah, it's, it's a strange thing. Like I gotta, it's, I think it's because, you know, I've, I'm so used to doing everything. Well, at least when it comes to like my creative stuff, mm-hmm. when it comes to this podcast and my own music and all that stuff, it's I'm just used to having my finger in literally every aspect. If I'm not literally making everything, I have a part in everything. And I think it's probably just being a little bit of a control freak, you know, like uh, uh, I need to let go of some of that sometimes. And I've done an OK job with that in other aspects like in uh you know with with string joy stuff i'm very much just like do do your do your thing mm-hmm. it's going to turn out better and even in down to silly things like ordering guitars yeah um i've got a few custom guitars and one of the one of the first times i've, I've got another one with ba ferguson that's being built right now that i told him to do the same thing but wow. when i had my my millimetric done back up uh, back there okay uh, uh-huh. i told florian he's like what do you want i'm like i want a 27 inch scale this body style and then surprise me Mm -hmm. you know like i want to see what you think that i want and i think you you know i felt like he knew me well enough uh just through the content that i was making and some of the interactions we had that he could probably figure out something that i would like and he nailed it and so when you give people the freedom to just explore on their own especially creative people you oftentimes will end up with a better product than what me like directing everybody would be you know so it's kind of there's like a happy medium to to all this stuff you need to be aware of what's going on but you don't necessarily have to be in control of everything i in every aspect of your life i totally agree with that actually that's exactly how our band runs because everybody that does anything with the band like when we have artists do like our album covers or t-shirt designs or you know anything in that world like or we have somebody do video work for us like it's literally we're we're hiring you because we like what you do. So we're not going to tell you what, what yeah. to do. You know what to do. We mm-hmm. will like say like, this is what we like, but I love letting people just do what they're going to do and then sit back and watch that. Cause that, I mean, then you're really letting them be an artist, you know? So, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. There's a time and place, I think for every style mm-hmm. of, uh, of management and creation. And it's, it takes a long time. At least it does for me to, figure figure that out sometimes it's like okay guess what i can't draw yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't do it <laughs> you, yeah, it you turns out it turns out turns out horrible every time so but speaking of uh covers man the the latest record mm-hmm. um man uh i can't always say this with every band but this latest record is like one of my favorites That's and incredible. the cover on it is awesome yes i love that i love that cover art this but this record is phenomenal and I love like the guitar tones you guys have on there. And one thing I, I thought was really interesting, and I definitely wanted to talk to you about this in depth. We might as well like get this right, right out of the way right now. 
um, you literally have a song on there called Ship of Theseus. Mm -hmm. And that I was like, what a brilliant idea to like kind of address sort of the elephant in the room, which Mm -hmm. uh, I think for a lot of the people who listen to the show may know this, they may not. But um, this band's had a lot of lineup changes Mm -hmm. over the years. And if people are familiar with the story of the Ship of Theseus, basically the idea is a ship went out and then slowly over time, uh, things would break and they'd replace it and things would break and they'd replace it. And then pretty pretty much none of the original ship was intact by the time it come back, come back to shore is the nutshell theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and this band has that going on, but yet it's been amazingly consistent <laughs> in my mind over the years. Like for, for as much as you guys have gone through, sonically, it's very consistent. Um, what? How do you feel about that? And wh- what do you think about? I saw there were some some critics of this, uh, especially when that new album dropped. What do you What do you have to say about that? That's kind of an interesting scenario. Well, yeah, we really like never shy away from any of that stuff. And I think really for us now, looking at a ton of the bands that are peers, there's not many bands that don't go through pretty major lineup changes if you're going to be a band for 20 years. So we, we definitely feel we understand where that, that comes from, but we try really hard now to like be pretty solid. And, you know, we've been the same guys in the band since 2004 or five now. So it's been a long time, but a while, it's a while, it's been a while, (laughs) but, but definitely in the past, there's been a lot of different member changes and a lot of different like personality clashes and stuff and people leave and then they come back. Um, but we love the idea. And Dan came up with all the great, like lyrical ideas for everything. That's his, that's his, uh, deal. But, uh, the ship of Theseus idea was really interesting to us because the, you know, it's it's like more of a thought experiment, and it doesn't necessarily give you like an answer. But what I right. what I love about it, and what I take from it, is that no matter what, no matter how much you change, whatever needs to be changed, that ship is never not going to be that ship, because mm-hmm. even with all the new parts on it, the basic structure of why the ship is the ship never changes. So like. You might have to put a new board on because the board's bad, but just because you put that new board on doesn't mean that now the whole ship's not the same. It just means that that board has been replaced, and it it's sort of like is this like flowing idea that doesn't stop. It's still the 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 whole like essence of the ship is never going to not be that ship. So, mm-hmm. in our opinion, with all the different changes that have happened, Zeo's doesn't. You know, I think the like the main focus of like what we're trying to accomplish as people hasn't really been too different. And most of the people that have been in the band, you know, a lot of it stems from just being friends first. So like, right, all the guys that originally started the band, they did it because they were friends with each other and they had certain um, like religious reasons to get the band moving. Now, obviously, the band doesn't have any religious reasons anymore. Like that stuff's kind of all been taken away but i've known dan russ jeff and marty since high school so first and foremost we're friends first and foremost we care about each other and that's kind of the propelling force of like what we do is like we care about each other and i do think that there's always seeing friends be together as long as we have i think gives people like this cool sense of hope that like things can be cool if if everybody works together, I don't know, but, but I do think 
that the way we see that whole thought game with the ship of Theseus was like, yeah, the, the ship's the same. So we'll fix mm-hmm. it and we're going to, and, and that necessarily fix it. I feel bad to say that, but we're going to like replace pieces of it to, to do what we need to do, but it doesn't tear the ship as a, as, as the entity away. It just, mm-hmm. it just strengthens the entity. Yeah. And I think that you are one of the bands that has kept the ship the same. Yep. Sometimes people do rebuild the ship to such a degree (laughs) where it's like, that's a new ship. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a different boat than, than what we arrived on originally. And, uh, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. Uh, I guess that's all subjective to the audience really at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, that's what I meant by you guys have been incredibly consistent. Mm -hmm. And when you said that, when you said been basically the same since 2004 i'm like well yeah that's about the time i found out about the band Mm -hmm. so that makes i mean that makes total sense to me why it's been pretty cohesive because it has been pretty cohesive yeah yeah i mean Mm -hmm. and to be honest too like me dan and russ i mean you know russ has left here and there's me and dan like have been doing this thing since like 1999 so like so there's even that goes back that far russ has been in it since that time he's gone he's left and come back left and come back but um we feel like for most intents and purposes like the main heart of what was going on which is always going to be to me dan as long as dan's Mm -hmm. involved i mean if dan is never we're done if dan stops but (laughs) but uh, right (laughs) but yeah having that there and having I i think it's kept us what kept us kind of consistent with that so yeah yeah, you just kind of you kind of go. He's he's sort of captaining the thing yeah. in some way. That's I like so that. He's that's the like, captain. Of the you know. Ship. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He's the <laughs> captain of the ship of Theseus in some ways. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, yes, it is. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, you guys, I I think uh, you guys got something special. I think it resonates with a lot of people, and that's why you've been able to do it this long. And that in and of itself is kind of amazing. I I've referenced this a lot, but I think it. I think it 100% applies to almost any musical endeavor, but I was at NAMM, oh, I think 2018 or 2019. Okay. It was 2018. And I overheard, I was at a Earthquaker Devices get-together. Okay. And Josh Scott was there from JHS. And somebody, a smaller builder came up to him. I wish I could remember who it was, but I can't. It was a smaller, newer pedal builder came up to him and said, Josh, like, what's the secret? He's like, how do you do what you have been able to do? Like, and this is even before the JHS show became a thing. Oh, wow. Um, and, and Josh was like, honestly, the hardest thing and the thing that you have to do is stick around. That's it. You have, you have to stick around. Like that's the hardest part. And, and I didn't really fully grasp it at the time, but I was like, that is the hardest part. Whether you're talking about a, a pedal company or a, an artist Time in the quote-unquote marketplace, whether that's the marketplace of listeners or pedal buyers, Mm -hmm. matters a lot. Oh, yeah. Just simply like existing and being an entity that is around in whatever capacity that looks like is so huge. And I think that gets lost on a lot of people, including myself at times. Like just being around and being consistent is so hard. And it really is. It kind of has to be a mindset. Like you have to – and this is why people say like if you're going to get into anything creative – and I mean, I put that in to what you're like as an artist, a musician, um, you know, 
pedal builder, guitar builder, any of that kind of stuff. Like you're Mm -hmm. saying, if you're not in it because you love it, the main reason people say that is because you have to realize you have to just stick with it. Because if you don't stick with it, that's 80% of your battle is staying in it (laughs) because you're going to get pissed off. You're going to get frustrated. Somebody's going to come out and be better than you. And it's just there you're going to there's going to be lean years and there's going to be unbelievable years and if you can if you love doing it the lean years aren't going to matter and they're not going to stop you because you what else are you going to do yeah you have exactly. to have that mind like that's how we are with the band like if people listen to us or if they don't listen to us i would still be writing songs and i love hanging out with the dudes in their in their in the band so like if we wouldn't financially be able to go out and play and financially put records out we would probably still hang out and still write songs there you go. <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is why I love doing this show too, because I've, I've told people like they've asked, what's your favorite part about doing the podcast? And I'm like, honestly, uh, it's everything that it's, it's the center point mm-hmm. for everything that I get to do. It all springs off of that. But, and so that's obviously really important. But the other part of it is I get to talk to people. I get to hit up people out of the blue randomly that I have no business talking to at all. <laughs> and sometimes it happens in the reverse. Like sometimes there are people who hit up me and it's like, like I had no, I would have had no reason to talk to Kyle Gass from Tenacious D. Mm-hmm. No reason at all. But we got to spend an hour plus together just being dorks on this show. That would have never happened. You know, I, I would have had no reason to talk to you other than just like, hey man, I really like your music. Thanks dude. Yeah, Thanks like- for coming to the show. You know, like, and it's it's so cool to me too when you when you get to be I think that's the hardest thing to to explain to people cuz when you get to talk to people that you look up to or that you have any kind of like inclined inclination to be like a fan of and you get yeah. to talk to them sort of as a peer it's it's really overwhelming so like you know being able to like I'm sure for you like talking to Kyle I mean the guy like you he's a big deal guy like he's done some pretty awesome stuff and he's yeah. been in this world that like not many people get to like even come close to. And then if he, you know, you get to talk to him, he, you're on that f- level of like, okay, like I am a fan, but I don't look like a fan to him. So you get like a real conversation or like a real interaction. Cause like, that's the one thing right. I really like. I'll meet people that I never thought I'd get to meet, but I get to meet them in a, in a w- weird way. Cause you know, I'll, I'll meet them like, where we're playing a show, we're playing a festival with them. So they don't look at me as like somebody that's going to bother them. But at the same time, I'm a fan, man. So like, right. (laughs) It's so cool to like, get to meet these people that you don't think you would get to talk to. And really the, the secret is that it's not that hard. (laughs) Don't tell anybody. I know. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) It's not that hard to just get out there and like, try. And like, I mean, it's definitely not easy, but it's not, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like, you know, Zayo is where it is. And I'm like, I don't know how we're here. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, dude, even this, like, why does Blake want to talk to me? Like, (laughs) I mean, his, like, you've talked to people that are like legitimately in pretty high places in, in our, in the music world. So it's like, it's just, it's so cool. I'm with you on that. I love that. I love that we get to do and talk to people that you never thought you were. It is. And then you then what you realize and it seems obvious, right? It seems totally obvious and anybody can logic their way around this. But you realize 
everyone's just people. Yep. And nobody's got magic fairy dust nope. glittering off them, you know, when they walk. I mean, maybe Kyle does a little bit. Sure. He's pretty special. Yeah. But like uh, but like everyone's just a person. And especially when you do these uh these zoom things, I mean it's more obvious in person because mm-hmm. I'm just like like yeah, you can. That's a person. Yeah, but, wow. There is. <laughs> there is. Uh, but like the Zoom things are kind of funny because it's like everyone's doing the same thing. Like, ah, oh, my connection. Ah, oh, yep. oh, oh, my microphone. Everyone does the same. I am the only one that doesn't just because I do this three times a week. Mm-hmm. But uh, even me sometimes like my video is not working. What's going on? I don't know. Everyone does the same thing. And it's kind of it's a it's a weirdly humanizing experience. Yes to talk to people you really look up to and have them also like, ah, oh, my Pro Tools. Is oh, I mean, I just messed up, yeah. <laughs> I just had an episode with Ken Andrews from Failure yesterday, oh, and he's like, oh, my, he's like, my Pro Tools is not doing the thing. Ken Andrews like, is like is the <laughs> Pro Tools guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had to switch interfaces or something, and it was just like, this is so relate. It's just, I don't know. Maybe it's more relatable being a musician, but uh, it's so funny that everybody, to know that it doesn't matter. Like everyone's going through the same well, thing. And, how great, know. how great is it that you bring that up right now when I don't know if you've watched it yet, but the get back Beatles thing. I'm in the middle of it. Okay. I, I'm on, I'm on episode two. Right okay. Now. So you're, yeah. so you, ha- you're in far enough to realize that they were a mess <laughs> and it makes yes. me feel so much better about everything I've ever done because the Beatles uh, oh, man. are the best thing ever. And they are a mess and they are messing around at practice just like we do. Uh, when I saw, there's a part, and I don't know if you got there yet. Did did Paul bring the Rickenbacker out yet? Not yet. Okay. Not- Pay attention because he has no idea how to use it. He actually says, <laughs> I don't even know what these knobs are. So like Paul McCartney doesn't know how. And dude, like I watched, I think you're probably in the part two, George Harrison's Gibson just falls on the ground and they don't care. <laughs> it's just like, but it's, it, it, it totally humanizes them. You fall in love with who they are as people in this whole thing. But as a musician, oh my oh. God, dude, it, it's sh- like, cha- it totally, I don't even know how to explain. Like, I'm, I'm obsessed with it, but it like, it's, I'm, I'm obsessed with it because it like makes you feel different about what you do. Cause like, their practice doesn't look any different than like any practice I've been in. <laughs> this is exactly what I was trying to explain to my wife. She's not a musician. She's a music lover. But yeah. She's not a musician. And I'm like, I don't know if you realize how awesome this is for me. Yeah. Like I'm watching the biggest band of all time, regardless of how you, anybody personally doesn't feels matter. about them. They're, they're, they're the, are the biggest. biggest band yep. of all. Yeah. And they're doing the same things. Yep. The same things that we all do and we can all relate to. Like, this is this is exact, exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, yes, they have a massive support system and they have all this unbelievable gear for the time. I think, yeah, like, uh, George Harrison brings that, like... Eight-track uh, eight, recording. Eight-track. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And he's, he's like, careful, that's $10,000. <laughs> and I, ha- of course, had to do the quick math. I'm like, ooh, that's almost 80 grand in today's yeah. money. Um, so, yes, they have all of that stuff that we don't, don't have but actually in a weird way in a weird way when i now that i'm processing this thought a little bit actually we have a lot of it it's just not physical a lot of it's digital yeah we have so much we actually can you imagine what that group would do today oh my god with the access to things that we have i 
Dude, I just discovered something yesterday that's blown my mind that everybody probably already knew about except for me because I'm just learning synths and digital stuff uh, a little more intensely. But Iris 2 from Isotope. Okay. It's, uh, for those that don't know, because this is a guitar show, but um, <laughs> it's a it's a synth- synthesizer plugin. It's a software synth where you can load any wave file you want into it and then play it with all kinds of different processing if you want on your keyboard and make new stuff out of it. I just discovered this yesterday and I'm freaking out. Wow. I'm loading in like old riffs and things uh, and just making these horribly gross sounding industrial tracks. I'm like, this is the best thing. How did I wow. know? It's been out for e- It's been out for years. <laughs> well, dude, it, but, but that's like, how great is it though that like our technology has come so far, but there's so much, like there's still so much that I don't even mess with. It's, insane from like 10 years mm-hmm. ago even like yeah it's I, I yeah and like you said you know watching them watching that they do every time they messed up if they just had to redo the whole song with all of them recording like it, all of them. it wasn't like you could just punch things in so like imagine if those guys could punch things in or does that ruin what they are uh you know that's a good question you know to be like really focused on this kind of journey here, mental journey we're taking. This, some, a lot of the stuff we have now would not exist without that group and the engineers and people that worked with them. That's true. It just wouldn't. We wouldn't have flanger pedals. No, we wouldn't have anything. <laughs> well, dude, I, I was talking to Jeff, um, and Jeff does like a bunch of different musical projects. And they, when they did their record, he set up the Glenn Johns like way, like the mic yeah. way. And even now... Even though you can close mic every drum and make it sound precisely perfect, that it still sounds insane. Yes. And it does. I just, to me, like the creativity of just now, and, it, and it's almost, it doesn't seem like it's that intense. Like you want, you know, the mic in the bass drum, you want a room mic, you want to put the mic right over the tom. So you kind of, and then you have a mic over top of you for the snare and all of it makes sense. But mm-hmm. back then, I don't know if anybody's thinking in that way. And the way it's set up blows my mind that it still sounds as good today. Like you can do it mm-hmm. and it sounds insane. It was, it, like, it's almost like physics, like things don't change. So right. you just, when he does it and he figured this out, it's perfect. And yeah, it, I, the whole thing blew my mind and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm I'm with you. I I get I get like a little bit like I get excited every time I fire up that show cuz I'm like and I'm not even I like the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not even the biggest Beatles fan in the world. And I still am like I I watch that and sometimes I just want to stop it and just come out here oh, and start messing around. It's so inspiring. I'm like, I I just want to I just want to plug in. I just want to see what comes out. I just want to I just want to make stuff um it doesn't help that I'm already like aggressively in that mood. So it's like <laughs> I have to literally leave. I'm, usually I'm out here at night making some weird noise and then she'll text me and be like, hey, want to watch Get Back? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I really, I really do. <laughs> I really do. But that's just going to make me want to come out here more, which I already am. It's a weird catch 22, but I, I am loving it. And I don't think, uh, I don't think, uh, it's one of those few moments where everybody's praising something and it's not overrated. Yes. 
mm-hmm. especially mm. if you have the backgrounds. As musicians. Yeah, like as yeah. Of the backgrounds we have. I mean, it. I don't know if I've seen anything as as mind blowing as that. And it's weird to yeah. say that, but like, yeah, I I'm completely obsessed with it and blown away by it, and it makes me feel weird in a great way. It's mind blowing because it's not. Yeah. That's a good yeah, it's, that's a very good point. It's like it's, it's like, watch seeing people do what you do is weirdly like the most amazing thing ever. Mm. I think well, <laughs> well watching uh watching Paul like the almost I mean maybe he came up with a little bit of this beforehand maybe not but like basically the conception of get back yeah. the song happen right in front of you as it actually happened. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this is blowing my mind. Right I know. This, a, I love that song, but B, wow. Yep. I just watched it happen. Yeah. I didn't read, and we didn't know that this footage was in the vault. Like, how cool. I know. How cool of a thing for them to do. Oh, it's, it's so incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we've gushed about that enough. There you go, Peter Jackson. Uh, <laughs> I'll send you an invoice. Nice. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, getting back on uh, your train a little mm-hmm. bit here. So have you largely stayed that you, we kind of talked about some of the newer tech and, and gear in a very vague sense, but have, has your rig kind of stayed the same or have you changed it a lot over the years? I, I really do kind of, stay the same theoretically i've i've got a lot more pedal oriented than i've been in the past um but i'm still uh straight up jcm 800 going through pedals going straight into the amp guy so Mm -hmm. i don't really have a lot of i mean even i have i don't even have a like any kind of digital uh anything like i don't even my delay pedals like an analog delay pedal so i don't even oh wow yeah i don't even use a digital delay pedal um, not that I'm against any of that stuff. I think some of it sounds great. I think some of it is totally representative. Great. Like you can do everything you need to do with it. But for me, there's something about a loud JCM 800 <laughs> that I just you can't replicate it. Um, so I, I've pretty much went and haven't moved too far away from that setup. Right. What kind of pedals? were you using and what are you using now? So originally what I would do, and I think, you know, even my earlier years, I was, I was like a 5150 block letter guy. Cause that was what yeah. everybody was into. Um, totally. And you didn't have to do anything. Then you just plugged into that thing and, you know, just EQ the best. Just you could, And there you go. You don't yep. need any more gain. There's too much gain in that already. Um, but once I got into the JCM 800 world, which was not too far after, I mean, I've been using them for so long. Uh, once I got into that world, my first pedal, I had a TS9 Tube Screamer because I couldn't afford the 808s that were hand-wired and made specifically like the old ones. So I had a right. TS9, which I really liked. I, I, there's something about like the cheaper TS9 that doesn't sound bad to me. It just it's a, it gave me a little darker tone, I guess. So it I kind of like suited my ears better. Um, and then from that, I hooked up with uh maxon because maxon was Mm -hmm. doing a pretty good replication of that 808 circuit with the right 
the JRC chips and everything. And I had an 808 overdrive sent to me from that that I was using for a pretty good amount of time on my 800. And then yeah. recently, I would maybe say the last five years, maybe maybe a little less, um, I met up and became friends with uh, my friend Patrick that does Abominable Pedals. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, Patrick does a Hellmouth that's essentially a TS9 and a TS808 in the same enclosure. Um, there's some other little things that he has kind of in there that he's come up with. Uh, and I've been a huge proponent of that pedal. The Hellmouth is like my favorite overdrive I've ever used. Um, it mm-hmm. does everything and anything I would ever need it to do. And it makes the 800 just scream. It sounds it's perfect for that amp. Um, so nice. I've been using that pretty much all the time. Um, and then I do like, he has some like other fuzz pedals I use, but that, that, that Hellmouth has just changed it for me, changed the game for me. Nice. What's that, uh, analog delay you were referring to earlier? It's a Maxon 8999. So it's, um, it's the yes. pink guy, right? So my friend, uh, Jack DeVille, from Mr. Black Pedals. Okay. Uh, he's like, that is like the best delay pedal. And I trust him because he is uh, very obsessive okay. when it comes to design. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is a flawless a- analog delay pedal. Like, it's one of the best. And I still have not played one yet. Oh. And it's driving me crazy. I, I need to. it Because I, I love analog delays. Yeah. And it's, I mean, honestly, like, it's hard to explain because I, you know, I, I've used like the line six ones that everybody, the, the digital ones, and I've tried a couple different other like boutique ones that just couldn't afford them. So whatever, it's cool. They sound good, but, or like, or like a, like an even tide, like even that kind of stuff with some of their delays. Cause they have some pretty amazing ones, but that 8999, I mean, it just, the way it decays, I can't, nothing does it like it. Nothing like it's just, mm-hmm. it's like perfect. And, and the decay is like, once you hear that, you can't change. You can't go back to for me anyway. Because like I got, I, I've got to try one. Yeah, you'll love it, dude. And like being able to manipulate it with the knobs. I mean, obviously, it's it's a, it's kind of hard to dial in like an exact delay, like how a tap delay yeah, would yeah. be. But yeah, yeah. But I don't even. It, it sounds so good that it that doesn't even matter to me. Like I would rather play with it and mess with it. And it's okay if it's a little bit off. Like whatever. It it sounds. I've never had it to where like, oh man, I'm like, I, I, you know, I can't get it to do what I want it to do. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you, I think if you would play through it, you would, you would absolutely love this pedal. It's so, so it just sounds so good. It sounds so rich and full. Like there's no artifacts. Like it really does do everything like a delay is supposed to. I, I, yeah, (laughs) I, I've got to, I've got to get one. I've got to get one. Uh, it's. It's it's received too much praise from too many people that I that I know and trust and uh, yeah analog delay is one of my very favorite things. I'm actually looking at a uh, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's one of my best gear finds ever. It's a DoD. It's a rack unit. That's why I'm pointing in front of me. Okay. Um, uh, it's a DoD R880 dual delay, and it's it is huge and completely impractical, um, but it has the darkest most intense repeats on it and why i say it's one of the best gear scores ever for me it's because a i've never seen another one in real life wow. and i can barely find any anything on them online and two 
I paid $10 for it off of Craigslist. Oh my God. On a whim. I was literally driving to work. I, I responded to this dude's ad and he's like, yeah, sure. Come by and get it. I'm available during this time and this time. And I'm driving to work and I'm, I'm not a person who is late for work. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen. And he's, he's like, you can swing. If you swing by and pick it up now, you can have it for 10 bucks. And it wow. was not, not on my way, but not, <laughs> not on my way. It was like probably about 10 minutes out of my way. And I was running a little bit late. So I swung by literally just plugged in. Okay. It works. All right. Here's 10 bucks and jumped in my car. Still didn't really know what it sounded like. I just knew it worked. I was like, it's 10 bucks. It's fine. I get home. I, I, I was only two minutes late. So I did all right. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I get home and plug this thing in. And I'm like, this is the best $10 that I've ever spent on anything ever. It sounds, ins- it's complete, completely impractical, wow. but it is a incredible delay. And uh, I've used it on lots of weird, noisy tracks. And I'm looking at it like a, like my child right now. I love right it. Well, isn't that, <laughs> it's kind of sad to me. Like, cause I remember back when, deals were to be had all the time i mean i paid 600 bucks for my 800 i think Mm -hmm. like you couldn't even dream to even come like you're you're it's another thousand dollars on top if you're that's the that's the deal is 1600 for one of those um dude i remember i remember when they were six and eight i remember that so i yeah i remember i had that i remember being in texas when we were on tour and there was a it was an 82 silver burst. It was what, 1300 bucks. I think that's what they had. The $1,300 on it. You can't do what they're like four, five, maybe. Oh, no, 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 no. Have you seen what happened? Oh, no. I mean, I know the, the Adam Jones one came out. So the Adam Jones one came out and then everybody decided that they're going to be there. 10 grand. Seven. Yeah. Oh, give me. Yeah. A, oh, man. Like, I, I like overnight. I can't even. As soon as, as soon as, as the Adam Jones one released, those silver bursts went from about four to like seven to, oh, to man. ten. And then the, uh, and then I have a white one from the same era. Well, it's yellow okay. now, but yeah. it was, oh, was I white. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I love that guitar. I got, I got it at a fair market price from a local shop okay. for, uh, twenty. I think it was like twenty one hundred. Yeah, probably. that's okay. But now, after the Adam Jones thing, and everyone's like, "Well, my Les Paul from this era is and now." That's like, yeah, but like four to six. Jeez. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Jesus. Like, I love this guitar. I love it. Love it. It was one of my dream guitars. Always wanted, not necessarily specifically that era. Mm-hmm. I just wanted a white Les Paul custom that I love. Yeah. And I had a hard time finding one. People on the show have heard this story a million times. But I found that one. Just fell in love with just the guitar. Not anything about the year or the specs or anything. It was just like, I love this guitar. Mm -hmm. I need it. And, But I don't love it enough that I'd be paying $5,000 for it. I just can't do I can't justify that in my brain. Well, dude, I have have an 85 custom. And it's one of the ones that still has like the low profile frets, which are terrible. And I need to refret that thing because I can't even. I like them. I, I like can't it. deal with the, them. Uh, uh. <laughs> like it, it. Oh, God, it just doesn't. And I have so much trouble, like especially tuning down for our stupid tunings. Like if I was yeah. if it was like in nine to forty two, like standard E, I bet that thing would be the best thing ever. But I have it with fifty sixes and like, wait, well, that crap. But um, 
I bought, I got that. It was like 2,200 bucks. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is a great deal. You know, um, I forget how I traded some stuff in. I got it for cheaper, but I haven't even looked to see what that thing would go for now. But yeah, I can't, I, $2,200 is about the maximum for me. I don't think I could spend I, more than that on a guitar. I could, I, I talked about this probably a year and a half, two years ago with Joe Branton from the guitar nerds on this. Like, what would you spend? What is the absolute max that you could see yourself spending on a guitar? And, um, I, and I, I don't just have this laying around. I'd have to figure it out, but I could see myself spending up to four grand for like the ultimate thing for me. I don't know what even that would look like. Hmm. I have no idea. I could see myself spending up to four grand I'd have to figure it out. I'd have to like, okay, I'll get a, I got a wheel and deal yeah, and I'll sell, sell some stuff. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but beyond that, it's just, and, and I'm not criticizing anybody that that does do this. Yeah, if you can, for, yeah, 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 do it. Yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah. I love people doing what they want. That's great. But I just, I've played so many awesome guitars that were six hundred dollars to to two thousand dollars that were just phenomenal, inspiring mm-hmm. instruments. That I feel like you really get super diminishing returns. And now this may change based on the prices of, of what everything's going through right now. But yeah. I feel like once you get past three grand, you're really getting into, into some diminishing returns at that point. That's the at least for a as a player, that's, not necessarily that's as a collector. Yeah. I feel the same way. I like because I have some of the ESP standard series Japan, like the Japanese made guitars. I can't even talk. Yeah. But so I've played one of the custom USA shop ones that they've put out and they're, I mean, it's, it's just out of control, but I would put my standard series Japanese made ones up just, just as comfortable to play. And they sound pretty and close and like, it, yeah, it would be hard. And I think the cheapest custom shop ESP is like four. Wow. Maybe 35. And- but, and again, I don't think either either of us are saying that it's not worth no, that. No, they're worth it. <laughs> but it, yeah. it. It's just it's just it's hard for me to envision myself yes. going there. Um, you know, just I don't know. I I was playing my uh, my very first electric guitar. I still have it. Me too. It, granted, <laughs> I got I, I got off on a really good foot. I got a it's like a 2003 uh, Gibson Les Paul Special. Oh, that's awesome. With the hum with, with the humbuckers. It's the faded cherry. I still have a, I think I posted it on Instagram, but I, I have a picture of when I opened the case at my graduation party wow. and that the look, the look on my face, I've told people before, I'm like, that is just pure joy. Cause I didn't know, I had no idea I was getting that. I knew I was getting, I was probably getting a guitar, mm-hmm. but I didn't know if it was going to be a Squire or like, I, I just knew that I, I asked for an electric guitar. And oh, so I man. opened that and I was just like. Oh, yep. And I'm not kidding. To this day, that is still one of the best playing and best sounding guitars that I own. And I am fortunate to have a lot. You said every time I pick that thing. It's a 2003, you said? Yeah. Oh, I have a 2001 classic that I would put up against any Gibson that they put out in the last. I mean, some of them are terrible, but like that 2001 (laughs) classic, holy shit. It plays so nice. I love it. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, and, Part of it is like this was my main guitar forever. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like home. Mm-hmm. Even though 
even though it's not even how I would spec something out now, if you ask me what I want now, I'm like, oh, I like bigger necks. I like this and that. And this has got a fairly slim 60s neck. Mm-hmm. And I, but every time I pick it up, I play it. I'm like, this is a really good guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was for, I think my parents got it for, uh, I saw the receipt because I had to go take uh, take something else on their back. Okay. Otherwise, I probably would never have known this. But they paid like 420 bucks for it. Oh, that's incredible. Wow. It's one of the best guitars. That's it's inc- so good. Oh, man. <laughs> and I remember, dude, I, I can remember when, like, when you could get a, like a, a good deal on like a, any of those like studios or any of that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. I remember, cause I was like, ah, oh, I don't want a studio there. It's like 800 bucks. That's not that like, dude, they're, they were so cheap compared to what it is now. Oh, they were and they're rippers. Yeah. Too. And they and they that, play incredible. Yep. Yep. Which is actually the whole point behind all of those guitars was like, let's take the binding off. Let's do like strip it down, make a good guitar for somebody who just wants a good guitar, yep. which you know, mission accomplished, yeah. Gibson. You did it back then. They did. I don't do know. Do it again. Yeah, do it again, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> now, all that said, mm-hmm. we're like kind of bemoaning the state of uh, prices a little bit, but I've said this a lot too. What's awesome is the entry level stuff now. Like the squires that are being made oh my right God. now. I know. Are ridiculous. Dude. That Jay Mascus Jazzmaster is so good. I it's so good. I totally agree. I don't even know how to mm. explain. Like I because I dude, I remember when Squire was like a four-letter word to people. And mm-hmm. or Epiphone, even like Epiphones were like, like Epiphone, I could play it feels like a toy. Like I can't play this. All that, yeah. like all that stuff. And I do I, I would argue that ESP's lower level LTD was like yeah. the one company I remember getting those LTDs when they first started making them. And I was like, holy, these things are like a real guitar. Wow. And they were still yeah. like reasonably priced, but it seems like everybody across the board now, their lower levels are really, really nice. I, I think that's very true for the, for, and this isn't, I'm not trying to bash anybody, but for the established brands mm-hmm. and for the brands that are taking it uh, real seriously, um, I think that's true. I think the flavor of the day Amazon brands. Oh, um, yeah. The weird ones that are like really cheap. Is that what you're talking about? They're like really cheap. Yeah. Now, I have played a handful of those that are like, this is, this is worth what they're charging. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is this is not bad. But I played some of them and they're like, this is giving me flashbacks to when Squire was a four letter wow. word. Like, you know, uh, it's like, it's sharp. It's good. So, and the community around some of those is very strange because they'll be like this insert, you know, I'm not going to bash anybody, but insert really cheap Amazon brand here is just as good as any Gibson. And I'm like, Mm-mm. well, dude, I've no, it isn't. Have you seen the people that like claim <laughs> Chibsons are like as good as some of the Gibsons? Y- yes. And, and I think, I think that's true for like the lawsuit era Grecos and yes. things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Sure. But not, not no. the Chinese. No, rep. no. And they're literally, what no, is it? No. It's like, it's pretty much like a, the worst, the, the kind of bad Epiphones that weren't that great. And then they're just like, put a new headstock on them or something. It's like super <laughs> weird. You know, speaking of that, I wish I could remember the name of the company. I actually want to get them on the show, but there's a company in Nashville doing something pretty cool. Mm. Oh, what are they called? Like FMC? Oh, I can't remember oh, their name. I'm sorry. I think I know who you're talking oh. about. I can't think who they are. Well, I'm sorry, company in Nashville. I can't remember. I do, but I will remember. They take the the basically the the ones that don't meet spec from Gibson and 
I, I don't remember what all brands they work with. Basically, they take the ones that don't meet spec and aren't worth the time for the main brands to fix up mm -hmm. because they, they, they're, they're a production facility. They, they're not a restoration facility. It's just not what they're equipped to do. This company will take those and fix whatever they need to fix on them and you know, go give them a good going over and a setup, and then sell them to retailers that that can't afford the massive buy-ins for uh, oh wow because Gibson and yeah Gibson and Fender require yes. really really big buy-ins for their stores, so that's why there's only a handful of stores. Um, in fact, I think the only Gibson dealer in Oregon is Guitar Center, maybe Five Star Guitar, also wow maybe we have yeah we there's have not one in Pittsburgh that has been pretty solid with that stuff and then guitar center was the ones yeah yeah i don't even know if yeah is there a guitar yeah i think it's still stuff i think it's there but yeah but the what i'm saying is so they would take these basically cast offs rebuild them into really good playing guitars and then sell them to retailers who can't be gibson dealers now they can't say like i'm a gibson dealer mm -hmm. look at my gibson they just yeah they get to have gibsons and fenders and whatever other brands they work with in stock and they're really good because they've been like really gone over well i'm like what a cool business model wow. like taking things that it would go in the garbage and making them into cool instruments that people can afford i i love that so much it's so cool yeah i never understood why they would just i mean and you that you kind of answered it for me because they just they're not a restoration company but it's like how can you when there's like blemishes that are honestly fixable and they just won't allow that you know to be something that they work on they just have to get rid of it it's such a bummer yeah it's it's really weird. It's it's hard for a lot of people to understand, but um, it's it's a it, yeah. They're just they're a production facility. Yeah. You know, they're not set up to to be able to do that stuff. I mean, even with strings, and this is a very very different thing. But even with strings, we do we get a lot of scrap. Mm -hmm. You know, and some of those strings probably would meet spec at other places. Um, or, you know, we've we actually had a, another manufacturer come in and tell us we were crazy one time. Um, <laughs> well, no, that's why they said, <laughs> they're, they're good strings. That's why they're the best yeah. ones that I've played. <laughs> thank, thank you. Well, thank you very yeah. much. Uh, um, so we have a lot of scrap and it's not worth it to us to, you know, unwind them and, uh, you know, grab that core wire, which is would be would be usable. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then rewind. It just it makes no sense. There's that's so much time. It's just financially would be you'd lose so much to do that. And Gibson's buffing out of scratch and like fixing things like that is not the same thing. Um, but for us, it's just easier to send it on to Strings for Hope, who makes jewelry out of it, mm -hmm. and you know it lives its life that way. Um, and it makes more financial sense to do so. But Gibson and Fender are kind of kind of in a similar boat with that stuff. It's like, I can't send this back, this chip to be sanded down and refinished. That's going to take somebody, you know, four hours to do. They could paint six bodies in that time yeah. and get them out the door. You know? have, so yep. I, no, I, I completely yep. understand. Hey, everybody, this is a little peek behind the curtain. We had to take a brief break there uh, for Scott to go, you know, be a dad and like responsible <laughs> and stuff, which is just ridiculous. Um, but, you know, we, we got through it. But but it's actually at a, uh, I don't remember exactly where we left off, but I do know that I need to get into some of the um, the Facebook group questions. There's two in particular I want to touch on. Okay. Um, uh, one, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like there's a possibility you may not 
want to answer it because I literally have no idea what what this is referring to, and it okay. could be like some horrible inside joke that I don't know about, um, or it might be awesome. I have no idea, but you can tell me to pound sand if you don't want to answer it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Andrew Spann says, please ask him what was in the envelope that went missing before this year's Furnace Fest pre-show at Seasick Records. I'm dying to know. Oh, okay, yeah. So it wasn't actually an envelope. Uh, What went missing was Dan's lyrical book. So, oh no, yeah. So what he does is when we go on tour, he has a booklet with every lyric of every song, and he doesn't really need to look at them. But what he does do is he studies them right before we play, so then he has it, and it's almost like kind of like a comfort thing too to just have it there but the thing that's insane is they are legitimately the lyrics from like i mean some of them are the original ones he wrote and like he has his edits on them so they're like super special to him yeah Um, and there are there's some stuff in there that's like for things we haven't even done yet so Mm -hmm. like he has like new lyrics in there too um and it went missing and he lost his mind. I mean, and I totally understanding that he would. Um, and we said something about it and magically it appeared in a place that it definitely was not. <laughs> oh yeah. So oh. I'm, I'm guessing it was, it was probably taken and then somebody realized, well, this isn't going to be cool. And I really don't know why I even did this. So luckily we got it back and everything's all good. So whoever took it, just we'll never know who you were. It sucked. I don't know why you did it, but we got him. So who cares? Right, 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 right. Yeah, that does. You know, it sucks that somebody gave in to that urge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's 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 a thing that whether we want to admit it or not, we all kind of battle with it. Some degree of like wanting to do something we're not supposed to do. You oh, know, yeah. and, oh, yeah. it's a it's a human nature thing. I'm I'm bummed they gave into it, but I'm actually really stoked that they were like, "That was bad of me." Yes, let me uh, let, let me rectify this situation. You know what? That means you're probably a good person. And really. honestly, too, yeah, like that's in, when it's all said and done, we got them back and literally water under the bridge over. All good. Yep. Uh, yeah, all, yeah. All of a sudden, it's like doesn't matter anymore. So yeah. that's cool. I'm glad mm-hmm. it ended. It, it ended well. So yes. well, hey, that's a. It's actually an interesting story. I'm sure yeah. a lot of people don't know that. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, that that was a time, but it was it's all right. It, we're good. But cool. Uh, and then the next question is, and you may have kind of addressed it in your general gear uh, speaking, but uh, Blake Lawson, Blake's are the best. Nice. Uh, Blake Lawson says, how did they get the tone from my love, my love, we've come back from the dead? So a lot of that tone really does exist because of the where we recorded that record so that mm-hmm. record was done with steve albini and well Chicago. there you go yeah there so, you go <laughs> um i had actually i had my i still had my 5150 and i had a jcm 800 and we had them running together and the 800 didn't even have an overdrive on it i just i actually used it because you know how they're not super dirty but i mean they get they get pretty nice if you know if you push them pretty loud which is what like where electrical audio is and how they have set up. That's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so 
we uh honestly it's it's just it's the master mind of steve albini how good he is at what he does and that that space um a lot of that had to do with that tone that makes sense mm-hmm. that that uh i have to pinch myself okay i steve albini i still think has no idea who i am which is fine uh, nor should he <laughs> But I do have to pinch myself once in a while because I remember reading about Big Black in my freshman year of high school, reading about them in a book. Okay. I'm like, wow, this is so cool. Like, mm-hmm. And then f- finding out more about Steve as it went on. Um, and then like, I'm like, I'm in a documentary with Steve Albini, <laughs> like in the pedal movie. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think he knows who I am. But it's still kind of like, ah, that is not something I ever saw coming in my life. So... I uh I do look look at that in uh, with a certain degree of fondness because that guy is brilliant. He really and is. Honestly, too, I think us as a band, like that's a pinnacle of our career. Like being able to record mm-hmm. with that guy was just never thought it would happen. Never thought that's something that would even be in our you know wheelhouse whatsoever. And um, he ended up knowing who we were, and we he like contacted us sort of in a way because he had relation like his. I think is actually a girlfriend maybe wife now like did a documentary that we were in and he oh he saw that and was like i really like that band and found out we were playing in chicago and asked if we wanted to come and tour the studio and me and dan were like that's not steve out what wait a second that's not steve albini out steve albini <laughs> that's a that's some guy that runs like an italian restaurant this is yeah, a different like this guy isn't right really, this isn't really yeah. happening um <laughs> but yeah we do we went over to the studio we're just completely blown away and then the minute we could record with them we made sure to have it happen and the rest is history that's rad were there any particular tidbits you remember from that session that was like oh i'm gonna remember that mic placement or that little trick or anything like that, that you can, you can remember from that time. Um, I mean, he definitely did a lot of this, like for guitars was pretty standard, like, you know, on the cone edge, like most people do. He did have these really like, they looked like a piece of junk rainbow or whatever they're called. I think it was a rainbow mic is what it was called or something like that. And, um, it, I was like, there's, there's no way. Cause I mean, usually like, or either have we have a 57 or you have the uh what is it the one the little flat uh Sennheisers the like yeah. 421s yep. or whatever yep um and he had these little ri- oh rainbow ribbon mic I'm an idiot he had a <laughs> ribbon mic what am I thinking oh. yeah. so he had this really it was weird this ribbon mic and it sounded huge it was incredible like it's like a Royer like R121 or something like that it, I don't even know I okay. I can't remember but me and I remember Jeff's like, that's a, he's using a ribbon mic on a guitar. Okay. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's like some of the secret sauce. I don't have a ribbon mic, but uh, the, I will get one one day, but yeah. the, uh, I use the um, Aston mic stealth on like everything. In fact, okay. that's, what, that's what that is. Oh, nice. I use it. I use it on my voice. I use it in the room. I use it on acoustic. I use it on piano. I use it. I have not found an application where I don't love that microphone yet. And they have um, they have a dark mode. That's, it's just a filter on it. Okay. They have a dark mode that's like a ribbon em, sort of emulation. Okay. And I'll use like the, like a regular one in guitar mode and one and one in dark mode on the same cab or like a 57 in dark mode mm-hmm. on the same cab. 
to try to get some of that same vibe. Uh, but yeah, my my friend Leon, he showed me the uh, the magic of ribbon mics a long time ago on guitar cabs, and I'm guessing he probably learned that trick from somebody like Steve. He was obsessed with recording at the time, so I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. It was, yeah, whatever. He, I mean, it was incredible. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, like it's weird too because we haven't really went back to it, and I don't know why because it didn't. It really did well, but now like you know we're micing it with some of the Heil. Uh, th30 mics mm-hmm. we do that now because of adam jones <laughs> and, right you know, so there's a bunch of like that kind of stuff we're, we've been doing but we didn't we haven't gone back to the ribbon mic it's strange oh i uh one i haven't used in a long time but i remember liking that was relatively affordable was the because like the r r121 is like it's not the most expensive mic in the world but it's not cheap i think it's like mm-hmm. 1200 bucks or something like it's okay it's fairly pricey microphone it's a good microphone it's legendary but it's not like you're just gonna be you know pulling that out of your pocket you know type of thing um oh yeah but uh the cascade mics fathead is a ribbon mic design i don't think it's like the same thing but it is a ribbon mic that a lot of people have used in a similar fashion and it's a lot more affordable and it's a it's i remember really liking it so Maybe I'll pick one wow. up one of these days. Yeah, I know that's like we we actually have been trying to build our own little like uh, mic collection collection. Or yeah, you know mm-hmm. Jeff's been really doing great with all getting all the drum mics that he's been wanting, and um, we yeah we got to kind of get into that world because yeah I think especially with the like the room that we have for rehearsals I think we could get some really cool sounds out of there if we had some different stuff. Well, you know the uh, I don't know if you've checked it out, but the new Thrice record is it one again that they recorded themselves again? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I saw the space um, that they were working in uh, when they were like first kind of building it out. Uh, Ed sent me some some sneak peeks, and I was like, "Wow, that looks like a really like good space, but just like a regu- very normal space." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's that's cool." And then I heard heard the record and I was like, this is out of control. This sounds so, so good. Oh, dude, those guys are just so awesome. We actually, I'm decently close with Riley. Um, oh, nice. And uh, yeah, he, uh, I remember when they were doing, what was the one? I don't know. I actually, I think I've heard some of the singles off this new record, but I haven't heard the full record. But mm-hmm. to be everywhere is to be is nowhere. To be no- yeah, yeah, that record, he sent me a couple uh versions of like color different colored vinyl of it and i fell in love with that record i mean i've been a fan of those guys since the heat's you so um ah, yeah that band oh my gosh they they really can't do too too much not right <laughs> i know i have a I have a giant flag thrice flag you oh can't that's see awesome it. it's from their when they did their went on when they went on hiatus it was their farewell tour and i have a giant flag that hangs above the shred shed. Oh, I I'm a, love I'm it. A, I'm a diehard. I'm a diehard huge fan of them. And yeah, have been. I talked to uh, Ed and Tepe on the show, and that was like crowning achievement. For yeah, me. well, those like, right, hanging out. Yeah, that Tepe's knowledge of like everything. Oh God, they're just man. There are just some people that just have it. I know, but too. yeah, but you but you talk to him, and he acts like he doesn't know what he's doing. I know it's not. Well, I remember when they when because they when they first. When they uh, like Vahisi was what with I forget what producer was with them, and then they like ventured into doing their own recordings. And I remember yeah. reading interviews where he's like, oh, well, uh, "We were hoping." I'm like, what do you mean you were hoping? Like, dude, it sounds insane. 
Yeah, that and was now, the Al- Alchemy Index. They recorded all themselves, too. Yeah, and dude, listen that to that. was the next record. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And he was like, I talked to him about it on the podcast. He was like building his own mic pre's. Like, I mean, they were kits, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, he was building his mic pre's for that. They like really went into it. And you just talked to him and he's like the humblest guy. Like, yeah, well, hopefully it works. So like, it's going to work. You're yeah. Gonna, you're, you'll, you you'll be it. fine. Yeah. Well, dude, <laughs> as you're probably noticing too, like to me, the guys that like actually have it are dudes like that, that are like totally like, don't even think they have anything. Like, it's so weird to me how many bands we've met where like, when there's any kind of weird attitude, it's usually because they're not really that anything. And then the guys right. that are like the real deal, they don't even care. They're just happy to be there too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Totally. I'm just I'm just happy to be at the party, man. Yeah. This is great. It's awesome. Well, hey, dude, uh, we've uh, gone slightly over on the main episode, and we still have to get into the final questions that I ask on this show, which I I'm very it. excited about. Okay. So be- before I do that, this is your chance to plug anything you want to plug. Whoops. I need to knock over my symbols over here real quick. <laughs> uh, uh, plug anything you want to plug shout out your grandma like anything you want to do say whatever for a couple thousand people right now here's your your opportunity to do so well if i mean if anybody's willing to check out our band you can just go on like we have all of our socials we run everything so the official zaya one on uh instagram and we have official facebook and our band camp is like our the best place to buy anything because that comes literally directly from us like jeff boxes it up sends it to you like that's how we do everything um also too like i really want to push like uh the you know abominable electronics and another pedal company uh 12th hour uh, my friend jonathan those two guys have been instrumental in helping me get kind of moving in sort of that pedal world and I, i really like that has opened up such a horizon for me now as a guitar guy. Cause like, I really didn't do too many pedals mm-hmm. and I wasn't really able to uh, get the sounds that I had in my head. So I really want to push those two guys. Those two companies um, have been unbelievable and buy their products. Cause they're incredible. All right, there you go. Awesome. I, you just introduced me to a pedal company I wasn't aware of. So that's a, uh, that's oh, nice. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't happen all that often no he's he well he's like just started and he's kind of like building from like he'll find like uh schematics for like weird stuff and like i mean he built me this unbelievable reverb pedal you can't get this reverb pedal for like anything less than four or five hundred dollars and he was able to like get it all schematic out and build it and oh man it does everything i need like it's it's insane so yeah 12 hours is pretty awesome awesome love that I'm gonna check them out after the after the podcast. Oh, there you go. Okay, final questions. Here we go. Okay. First one. What is your favorite boss pedal? Oh, I dude, I used an MH2 or HM2 back in the day when I scooped all the mids. I honestly did all that stuff because I was so stupid. But no, no, it's fine. I love I it. I did. I know. <laughs> I did that stuff. But I would honestly say that the PS5 harmonist pedal it was like a sh- it was the super shifter then mm-hmm. that pedal is so sick and i've used the harmonist but none of them it's that super shifter still sounds so insane to me i love that pedal um, awesome but yeah that and i i still have an sd1 that i had the jrc chip put in and okay it did for like a run-of-the-mill like 
decent overdrive still sounds pretty awesome to me mm-hmm. i love boss I yeah, love but the super shifter Marvel. yeah it's insane i love that thing the super shifter right on right on okay last question and as you know this one gets a little bit dicey a little bit controversial uh-oh family family split up it's it's a whole thing <laughs> what what is your favorite kind of pizza oh god okay well I will say this, and I think I heard somebody say this on your podcast, and I'm not, I don't remember who it was, but if you can't do a good cheese pizza, you're not a good pizza place. I do that was agree. Me, that, that was Misha Mansour. Yes, <laughs> he's totally right, because there is a, there's a pizza place in our town, and living in where we do, like, food is pretty much the, the thing here. Like, there's yeah. tons of, like, families from, like, the 30s that have these restaurants that are still kicking today couple different pizza places around here um and we get it's gino's gnelli's that's like this really awesome italian restaurant but they do their cheese pizza crushes my brain but there's also dude there's so many cool like around here now too we have a friend named josh sickles that has his own pizzeria that he like studied under some of the guys like some of the new york pizza makers like Mm -hmm. and his cheese pizza I can't even explain to you. It's like on another planet. Just oh, just how amazing yeah. it is. <laughs> that pizza is good, but I'm also a huge fan of white pizza. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It has. Mm-hmm. I have to be in the mood for it. But a good white pizza, it it's sometimes it's, it's what you need. I actually had a, uh, I had a clam pie, uh, from Pizza Whoa. Jerk here in town. Yeah. Um, I'm a big seafood guy. I love seafood. So me too. I I'm it, crazy it, about seafood. Yeah. So, but and and this this clam pie is interesting for to me. You can't, if I'm craving that, I'm not really craving a regular slice of pizza, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I kind of want something else. And it's almost more like eating a more robust clam chowder than mm. it is a pizza. It's still a pizza and it's like, it's not soup. It, it's pizza. But it the experience you get is more like eating clam chowder than it is like eating pizza. It's Which, really strange, but wow. good. Wow. Mm-hmm. So they, have you ever had pierogi pizza? No, but I like pierogies. Okay, so there's a couple places in around here because this our, the whole area is like pierogi central. Like people make their homemade pierogies. It's crazy. Pierogi pizza kind of sounds similar because it's almost like you have this weird like mashed potato cheese thing on your pizza, and it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like you're eating pizza. Like it's it's like a it's a, a totally different experience. That sounds kind of like that where it's like. You can, it's pizza, but Mm -hmm. it's way more a different thing. (laughs) Yeah. Like that sounds, dude, I, now I need to see if I can find somewhere around here that does that kind of pizza. Yeah. It's, I don't know where they, it is definitely an East Coast thing. And uh, pizza, pizza jerk is a more (laughs) East Coast, like New York style pizza place. Um, Okay. But, uh, and the regular slices are phenomenal too. I love pizza jerk. Um, Portland, I'm, People don't like to, this is very controversial. Portland has some amazing pizza places and anyone, and sure, it's not a place where you can like, like New York city, where you can wander a block and a half in either direction. And there's going to be a fantastic pizza place where you can get a slice for $2. That'll blow your mind. It's not that. Yeah. It's just not, but there are some very, very, very legit spots here that are so, so good. You know, we got sizzle pie. We got a pizza jerk demos like all these places they're just they're great um but 
Yes, pizza jerk. The, they make really good, like regular pizza too. So what I like to do is get the half clam, half like pepperoni or whatever. Wow. And what's so cool is there's this one, there's always these slices on the edge where the red pizza bleeds over a little bit into the clam pizza. That sounds insane. I'm already. It's, uh, it's yeah. so good. I was <laughs> like, oh, the in-between slice. How do I get the in-between slice as a whole pizza? It's not possible, but. Oh it, my God. Uh, I have to find this pizza. Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah. pizza is like such a huge thing here. Like it's crazy how many pizza places there are around. And I don't know, dude, none of them go out of, like if you open a good pizza joint around here, it doesn't go out of business. It'll, you'll, right. you'll have people all the time. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I think I know what I'm having for dinner tonight. Woo! That, man, that sounds good. <laughs> it I is Friday. This. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, like, what do you, like, I'm a big, I love Mexican food, so like, I always have my taco Tuesday, but Pizza Fridays should be a thing. I think they, I is think they kind of are. It is okay. kind of a thing. Okay. Uh, awesome. I don't know if it's an official thing. But it will I be. know that, I know it should be. <laughs> uh, I know Grant uh, from Big Ear Pedals and myself, pretty much every Friday we'll, we'll be eating pizza and we'll send pictures of our pizza and, <sighs> tag each other and yeah it's a thing but i love it oh man i haven't had lunch yet i'm so i'm gonna eat, i'm gonna devour something when this podcast is over well dude i actually <laughs> speak i had some shrimp for lunch so there you go now i kind of want to try this the, the pizza the clam pizza that's yeah you got oh, man sh- sh- surely there's that. one in in your area surely there is has it, to be if not i'm gonna hit up my buddy and be like dude you got to make this pizza now yeah <laughs> Yes, it's a, it's a treat. Well, dude, thank you so much for this. This was a blast. Oh, I Blake, love it. Yeah, no, Blake, thank you. I like I I almost feel like I'm not worthy. I'm so wor- I'm so oh. happy you asked me. No, you are totally, <laughs> totally. This was an awesome conversation, and uh, I'm looking forward to what kind of craziness we can get into on the uh, the patron exclusive here. So let's jump into that. What awesome. Yes, I'm okay. so in. All right, everybody. For Scott, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, I hope you enjoyed that one. I truly had a blast, and this is one of the best Patreon conversations I've had in a minute. So if you'd like to support the show, if you would like to give me a little Christmas present and give your ears a little Christmas present by getting even more content, you can go to patreon.com slash tonemob or you can hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts to get that bonus content delivered to your ears every week. And if you could do that, that would mean the world to me. If you can't, I totally understand. And I would just ask that you share this with somebody. Share this with a friend. Share this with somebody that you think might enjoy it. Maybe they don't even play guitar. I don't know. Just share it with anybody because that is how this thing stays around. Really, truly. It is a massive thing to get a new person listening to this show. It is one of the hardest things to do, but it's also one of the best things to do. So if you can get a friend to listen to this, you are helping me a tremendous amount. So I hope you enjoyed that. Go check out Zayo. Uh, I mean, have a Merry Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas. What am I saying? Have a good time. Enjoy the holidays. Enjoy the new year. And I love y'all. Seriously. Thank you so much for allowing me to do this. It's it's truly a privilege and um I don't I I don't uh take that lightly at all. I I really do thank you very much. So, I'll let you move on with your day. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you 
that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to tonemob.com stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.